0: So we will be in John 13. This is one of the chapters that John records on the final 24 hours leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. Um, John has the most detail on the final 24 hours leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus than any of the gospel writers. And um, John, I mean... I can imagine John being a young man much like myself, coming into the faith i uh, I clung to, and you guys understand why hearing part of my testimony, I clung to uh, men of God um, I saw men that spoke uh, the Word of God confidently, and they knew their Bibles, and I would cling to them and um, unfortunately, I'm not saying John did this, but unfortunately with me, I'd make idols out of them i'd make I'd make an idol out of uh, whether or not I was impressing them, whether or not I was accepted by them but Certainly what we can see with, with Jesus and how his love is perfect and John being so intimately involved, so intimately close to Jesus for such a time, John the Apostle, um, we can see how, uh, how shattering it would have been to him to hear these things about him him leaving, being betrayed, going to the cross. We know that John was the one who records of himself that he was leaning on Jesus' bosom at the Last Supper. Right, he was the one who let leaned back on him, and Jesus actually told John who who it was to that was going to betray Jesus. So, I say all that um, to try and get in your mind the what I okay. So maybe to try and put in your mind what I think of when I think of John on this on this last night, these final twenty four hours before his betrayal, right? And this this deep, intimate emotional connection he has as a young man to Jesus and um and, and all the things that Jesus said. But starting in uh verse one of thirteen, the apostle of love, as John is called, he tells us, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So Jesus, he knew he knew why he come. He knew, he knew what his hour was. Uh, he said over and over again, my hour has not yet come, right? There were times where he passed through the crowd because it was not yet his time. But he knew when his hour was, and he knew what his mission was. Um, you read in the, the declaration to Mary, the birth announcement from Gabriel, you read about how the one to be born, is his name will be Jesus, and the reason is because the Lord will save his, his people from their sins. And the beauty that I see in that is that before Jesus is born and before he, he makes his sacrifice, before anyone has yet professed faith, and in, um, in his work, he's already owning us, right? He's saving his people from their sins. It's we are his people. We are the we are the sheep of his of his um, of his pasture, right? Um, it, it's crazy. All the things that Jesus says, especially in the Book of John. Right where people get confused about is Jesus. Oh gosh, I don't think we do. I have a lot of engagement with with cults that want to den- um uh they want to denigrate Jesus, but um, Jesus he makes statements like in John 10 where my sheep hear my voice and I give them eternal life and no one can snatch them from my hand and I've received this from my Father who's greater than all and I and my Father are one. Forgot I had that there. Um, I and my father are one, right? And so Jesus is saying in salvation, right? His own, the ones that he came to save, he he plays the same role in salvation as his father does, right? He actually takes the the terms in the Old Testament that yahweh takes for himself i'm the shepherd of my sheepfold and and i give my my sheep eternal life and no one can snatch him from my these are terms in the old testament right that that yahweh takes for himself and then of course you have the response from the religious leaders and jesus says they took up stones he says for what good work do you stone me and they said not for a good work but for you being a man you make yourself equal with god right jesus all along he's he's claiming he's claiming divinity to himself he's he's claiming these attributes and and here he is and this is his hour right he's saving this is the the reason he came into the world to save his people from their sins not only from the judgment that would be passed on them if they died in their sin but also the power that sin has in their lives and so he's come to this hour and the holy spirit records for us that he's departing from the world to the father and having loved his own, who are in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved his own. He he takes that. He he pauses for a moment, right in this, um, this this account of what takes place, and it records what's on Jesus's heart. It's love. It's his. It's love for his people, the ones that would would own him by faith, that would come to him by faith, and and would pro- profess him as Lord, which has much more. Uh, connotation to it than simply master or or um owner it also it 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 is it is Yahweh it is Yahweh from the old testament it's it's those he loves and um here it says the Holy Spirit bringing John to record he loved them to the end and supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him now I want to stop right there for a moment because I'm sure you guys can recall back in John 6, Jesus is being pursued by the crowds. Um, they're trying to take him. They're trying to make him king. Uh, he, he confronts them. You know, you're just here for a meal, right? And, uh, and then he says, you know, if you want any part of me, you've got to eat my body. You've got to drink my blood. A lot of people say this is a hard saying. They leave. He asks the closest to him, are you going to leave also? Peter says, where would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life right you alone jesus have the words and we recognize that peter peter was privy to a lot of supernatural information he knew this you alone have the words of eternal life and, and jesus spoke in such a way remember the scribes the religious elite they were they marveled at the, the words that he spoke because he would say he would say the amen he would say amen assuredly truly truly i say to you right god is the, he is the amen he is the first and the last he's the one who speaks with that authority and here comes jesus You've heard it said, but amen, I tell you, truly, right? And then all of that to say, all of this authority, and then Jesus looks at them and says, I, you didn't choose me of the 12, speaking of the 12, you didn't choose me, I chose you, but behold, one of you is a devil. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that when he chose Judas, he was a devil. And it, of course, it reflects it here in, in John 13, he knows that Jesus is in control, right? Jesus has always been in control. He knows people's thoughts. We we learned that from John chapter two, um, where people wanted to take him because they, they saw the many miracles that he performed, and he didn't he didn't give himself to them, he didn't commit himself to them because he knew what was in the heart of man. He he shows that in John chapter four, where the woman at the well runs out and says Um, This man's told me everything I've ever done in my life. Could he be the Messiah, right? We know that Jesus knows what's in men's hearts. And here he is choosing to take Judas amongst him, even though Judas is going to betray him. And then you think of the apostles. You think of the 12 that follow him. You think of Matthew 20, James and John, well, actually sending their mother, right? Hey, mom, you know, go go get us in, get us in the, the really tight circle. And, um, she comes up and she says, "When you enter your kingdom, let my sons sit one at your right, and one at your left." And he says, "You don't, you don't know what you're asking me." And of course, we can all remember who was at Jesus's right and left hand when he entered Jerusalem, and it wasn't where they wanted to be, right? He said, "Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink?" Sure, surely we can. I said, "You don't, you don't know what you're asking, but you will." Unfortunately, right? Um, but of course, we know that that God, our Father, has a purpose and our chastisement, right, to sanctify us. A lot of these things occur because they have to occur for God's glory and for our sanctification and actually for, we're actually blessed through it, all that to say. Um, The cup that Jesus was going to drink was not something that any of us want to drink. Um, And again, right, Jesus being in control, humbling himself, literally picking the man who's going to betray him to the chief priests, scribes, and the elders to have him crucified and then as humans you see the other side of the coin us as as soon as we can as quick as we can if we're not there now i'm sure everyone in the room can think back to a time where oh here's my spot to get my foot in to get the upper hand to be promoted to, to be made look good maybe even at the expense of someone else right the the mount of transfiguration takes place jesus is up on the mount He comes down, and the rest of the disciples are struggling with a demon. They can't cast him out. And they say, "Why can't?" Well, they don't say this before, but Jesus comes down, and he's he's flustered, right, by their their unbelief, and he casts out the demon. They come to him. Why couldn't we do this? Say, these only come out by prayer and fasting, right? They they move. They continue on their journey. They move through to Capernaum, and they're bickering on the way. And here they are. Instead of being humbled. what they just experienced at the bottom of of the Mount of Transfiguration, right? With the demon-possessed boy who's casting himself in the fire. Instead of being humbled by that, by the fact they need grace always. They can't call on the authority that they think they have in themselves, but rather than what comes through God by prayer and fasting, they're arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus, what were you arguing about on the road? But nobody answered because they're all ashamed. All I'm saying is we're going to read through this account. Of the Lord of glory, right, coming down from his place, uh, stepping down, taking on humility. And even those who are closest with him, while they're not in the spirit, they're always looking to exalt themselves. And that should, that should be a check for us. What are we doing? Are we looking to exalt Jesus and hope that we get to to just be a servant, to be a slave in his, in his, in his welcoming party, right? Or are we looking to exalt self? Uh Philippians chapter two, verse four, starting at verse four, says, Let let not each of you look out only for his own interest, but also the interests of others. And you guys know the rest, right? Paul exhorts us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who be in Christ Jesus, remember we're thinking about Christ, who was in the form of God, didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and came in the form of a man. Right? He humbled himself, came in the form of a man, and being, being found in the likeness of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. That's what we're, we're talking about, this Lord of glory. right? And then it goes on to say, um, therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name above every name. Jesus' name, right? God says in the Old Testament, I'll exalt my word above even my own name. Jesus, the word of God, the name of Yeshua, exalted in the minds of those who belong to God above even Yahweh I mean the cults they want to insult and maybe you guys don't insult insert maybe you guys don't know this they want to insert other every other name into that verse every other name other than the name of Jehovah well if you go back to the Greek even their own Greek interlinear translations um, it doesn't say other there is no other Jesus's name is above every name right that every knee should bow and heaven on earth under the earth every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father and that is that is this lord that chose judas and having and knowing that already the devil had put it into judas's heart simon's son to betray him verse 3 jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from god and was going to god he rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. So Jesus knows where he's going. He, he's going to say in following chapters that you ought to rejoice because I'm going to the Father, and the Father is greater than I. And in context, of course, there's a lot. Maybe I opened a can of worms. But Jesus, said, he says earlier in the chapter that um, the things I do, these things you will do, you'll do greater works than these. Right? and you'll do these greater works because I go to my father so when you when you pray to me, I will do the work through you when you ask anything in my name I'll do that work through you so Jesus is he's claiming this is John 14 in case I'm losing context with you guys um, Jesus knows and he's trying to convey to the disciples what he what we learn in the high priestly prayer in John 17 that when Jesus leaves his humiliation, as a as a human he's going to be glorified with god the father again and he's trying to convey that to the disciples so if if you have questions on john 14 28 the father is greater than i we'll talk at length about it that's not him saying that in essence or nature he's lesser but that in his humiliation is as a, as a human right philippians 4 we just read through it even though he was equal with god that's not something he clung to he emptied himself and became a man he he actually humiliated himself. That's what he's speaking of. So knowing that he's come from God, God the Father, he's returning to God, he rose from supper. And here's a beautiful picture of the entire ministry of Jesus because what we read about Jesus is John one, 1 right? The prologue of the whole book. The whole thing is supposed to be viewed through the prologue. And that's in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. All things were created through him, and without him nothing was created that was created. In him was life, and that life was a light of all men, and the darkness cannot overcome it. So Jesus leaves his place of glory with the Father in heaven, and he humbles himself and comes down for, for a reason that we deserve? No. I mean, is there anything we possibly could have done to deserve that amount, that level of grace and mercy from God? There's nothing we could have ever done. The gap is infinite. And yet God humbled himself. And here we see Jesus in a place of relaxation and contentment, right? We, we know that he sent his disciples. He said, you'll find a man carrying a, a basin of water. Follow him. Go to the master of the house. Say The teacher has need of a place to have Passover with his, with his disciples. He'll lead you to a furnished upper room. There, prepare the Passover. The Passover has been prepared. Jesus is here just to commune and to teach, right? He's, he's in a place of comfort. He's at ease. It, we're told in the Gospels, he's reclining, right? This is, they typically do this at, at festivals. They would recline during these meals. And here Jesus says, he gets up. He gets up from his place of comfort, laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. We learn about his garments from John 19, 23, that it was of one piece, his garment, um, they cast lots for the soldiers around him because they divided the, the rest of the garments except for the outer garment. The outer garment was made of one piece. and Instead of cutting it into four pieces and making it useless, John tells us they cast lots for him. In the Old Testament, we learn that the high priest wears a garment made from one piece. And once a year, he would remove that, one, that outer garment made from one piece and he'd go in to the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. And here's Jesus, right? He's coming down, he's saving us from our sins, he's making atonement, he's pleasing the Father, and He's and we get this picture. Jesus leaving his place of comfort, leaving his glory. And what's he gonna do? He's gonna serve them. God Almighty is serving them. He's gonna make his way around the room, and he's gonna, you guys know, he's gonna bathe, he's gonna wash their feet clean. God has has become a servant. Right God, God continues to so be a servant, but here's my plug for here's my plug for moms, for women, for wives. We're called as husbands, right, and as men in general, but husbands specifically, to love our wives as Christ has loved the church and gave himself for her, right that he might sanctify and cleanse her by the washing of water or through the washing of water by the word. We're called to be servants. these women. The women that have given me the women, the woman, the woman who has given me four children. So far, anyway, that has given me four children. Um, she, the amount of service, the amount of humility, the amount of love, right? And here, here is Jesus my example. Here is Jesus your example, to to serve to serve your wife, to serve your mom, right? To wash her clean by the washing of water of the word. To, to present her uh, sanctified and purified before God's throne. We're told in Romans 12, Paul says, I therefore beseech you, brethren, to present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before God, which is your reasonable service. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove, so you can prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God that happens by washing your mind and your wife's mind by the water of the word your sister in christ wash her mind speak god's word to her speak it over her let it sanctify her and this is jesus is going to say this is actually a picture of what he's doing and we get that from other cross references in the new testament but here is yahweh god taking on flesh right stepping down from glory girding himself with a towel, taking, it says here, he takes off his garment, his outer garment, and girds himself with a towel. And after that, he poured water into a basin began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel, which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. The, The amount of, I mean, we know who God is from the Old Testament, right? Um, we understand God's love further through the revelation of the New Testament, right? So there is this idea of progressive revelation and that the more God speaks, the more we know about him. But to think that the God who created everything, we read in um, here on this whole pro-life thing, we read in Isaiah 44 that I, who formed you in the womb, right? Yahweh speaking, I also, I stretched out the heavens with the span of my hand. He created everything, created everything by himself. He said, I did this alone. No one was with me. I alone stretched out the heavens with the span of my hand. Um, just a slight off topic. It's on topic, but on an apologetic note, there's a slight debate. I can't say I understand it fully. I've, there's something to do with red shift and light. And so there's a debate on the actual size of the universe. But So the debate is it's either 13.8 billion light years, the, the visible universe, what we can see, or it's, it's roughly um, 93.2 billion light years. And that's a really big difference. But regardless, it, if it's 13.8 or 93, it's um, still massive, okay? So light travels at 5.88 trillion miles a year. Right? You usually hear it's like 186,000 miles a second. Um, I know Will's tried to use illustrations to explain to you how big the number, tr- the a trillion is, right? And I, I, I fact checked him and he wasn't lying. I heard this in 2012 when I started attending this church. He said that if you spend a million dollars every single day from the day that Jesus was born until, I mean, well he said it in 2012, but he said till right now, and it still stands true to t- to today. If you spend a million dollars every single day from the day of Jesus' birth until right now, you still wouldn't have spent a trillion dollars. That's how big a trillion is. You actually wouldn't even, you wouldn't even have spent three quarters of a trillion dollars. So light travels 5.88 trillion miles a year. And at conservatively, at minimum, the observable universe is 13.8 billion light years in diameter. And here is this god who says i created it all by myself and i spoke it into existence and i can measure it with the span of my hand right from my pinky to my thumb right and he's taking off his outer garment and he's washing their feet he takes on flesh and we beheld his glory the glory of of the father full of grace and truth this is jesus a servant and then of course you can understand why peter says lord are you washing my feet? right? And initially it seems like this is a very reasonable question to ask. Why are you washing my feet? John the Baptist says the one that comes, his, his sandal strap, I'm not even worthy to untie, much less touch his foot, right? Because this is, this is the Lord who created heaven and earth, and here is Jesus washing Peter's feet. We also see some of Peter's arrogance because he calls him Lord. Jesus says, what I'm doing now, you don't understand. And he goes, you're not going to do it. I'm not going to let you do it, right? You're sovereign over everything, but you ain't touching my feet. So that's kind of an oxymoron. But we understand We understand the sentiment. How can we not understand the sentiment? We also understand that Peter's mindset changed. If you read his epistles, his entire mindset changes about um, the things that you you go through and how they produce the you know they produce fruit that lasts eternally it produces a greater weight of glory Peter's entire mindset changes but here in this moment he's rebuking Peter which Peter is known for doing that but Peter said to him you shall never wash my feet verse eight and Jesus answered him if I do not wash you you have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Right? So Peter's like, I want all of you. I want as much of you as I can get. Did he say, wash wash me clean? Like, did he say, wash everything? He, he definitely said, I need more than just my feet. Right? You remember when, when Jesus was standing on the shore and they were out fishing all night. They didn't catch anything. He said, well, cast on the other side of the boat. And this is the first time. This is Luke chapter 4, not John chapter t- 24. I think um, this is the first time and he casts over. And then when he gets in front of Jesus, he falls on his face. Proskyneo, he worships him. He said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinner, right? That's Peter's, that's his reverence. That's the respect he has for Jesus. And so Jesus saying to him, well, if I don't do this, you have no part in me. So he says, wash more, wash more of me, right? We know from Revelation 1, 5 that we're washed by the shedding of Jesus's blood. That's what cleansed us. We're, actually, we're washed simply through faith. In John 15, 3, um, we're bathed clean, right? Jesus said that you're clean from the word that I've already spoken to you. Belief, receiving it in faith. That's what makes us clean. Jesus is here saying, he's gonna go on. In verse 10, he says to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean and you are clean, but not all of you. And that's in reference to Judas because he didn't receive in faith what jesus was doing right he decided to go the way of the world um but the rest of them they've received and by by grace through faith he's he's bathed them completely but what he's saying is you need to keep coming back you need to keep being washed you're going to walk through this world right and you're going to track dirt you know god needs to walk he needs to cleanse your mind of that you're only going to present yourself as a living sacrifice if you're in god's word daily i've had You know, I'm going to say something. It's going to sound legalistic, but it's not. It's scripture. (laughs) But there's you guys know Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path with sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. goes on, the psalmist says, that man will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He will bring forth fruit in his season and his leaf shall not wither. Everything that he does shall prosper. Why is that? And you guys know this isn't health, wealth, and prosperity. That's not what I'm preaching. I'm preaching the word saying everything you put your hand to when you delight in God's word, is gonna bring forth fruit. The psalmist says he delights in it day and night. When it starts, I mean, Galatians 6, it makes that point. Don't be deceived. What a man sows, you will reap. Ephesians 4 says that we should add to our godliness more godliness. We know that um, sin leads to more sin and godliness to more godliness. The person who purposes it in their heart and mind to make Jesus their center every day through the word and prayer, you'll get to a place, and it doesn't take long, you'll get to a place we're not having that hurts you you want it it is your delight it becomes it's like it's like i mean god does this with our with our physical nature your palate changes based on what you eat you know a lot of people don't want to believe that so they don't try it right they avoid vegetables because they don't like vegetables but if you just feed yourself vegetables eventually your body's going to fall in love with it you're going to love vegetables you Your body craves what you feed it. It's the same thing with the word of God. You feed yourself the word of God, then it will become your delight. And not only that, but you'll be blessed. You'll be oh so happy. The psalm says you'll be so happy, right? You'll have this joy, this peace that reigns, reigns supreme in your heart and mind that comes from God that sustains you and gives you integrity all the time. How am I supposed to live all the time every day praying? Like that sounds so impossible, right? Let the spirit of God do it in you. You got to start, right? It takes work. You got to put in the effort initially, but he's going to bring forth fruit. Isaiah 55 says, as as the rain falls and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed, it may give bread to the eater, right? Seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall accomplish what i What I purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God's word will have its way in your life if you commit yourself to it. You will be more happy and more blessed. And guys, I don't say this from an ivory tower, from a a life of privilege. My mom, like I said, has sat with me as I've wept over the same pathetic things over and over again. My wife has. Unfortunately, I've made my pastor do the same thing. And God has shown me victory. I just have to walk in it. I have to make the decision to walk in it. So all that to say, Jesus is inviting us daily to feast at His table, right? The psalmist says in Psalm 20, David says that the Lord prepares me a table in the presence of my enemy. Eat at that table. Don't listen to the world. Don't eat Don't eat from the buffet that the king sets up for you. Right, I'm talking Daniel chapter one. I'm saying, set yourself apart and eat and, and eat at God's table. God will set that table for you. And here's Jesus bidding you to be washed by him, to be washed clean daily. He who is bathed needs only to be need needs only to have his feet, needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he he knew for he knew who would betray him, therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garment and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I've done for you? That's the question, right? Do you know what I've done? Do you know the example that I've set, the precedent that now exists because of what I have done for you? And again, I want to note that when he sits down, he takes his garment, but no mention is made of the towel that he washed all of their filth off of them with, right? Because when God cleanses you by the blood of his son, your sin's gone forever, and he remembers it no more. Jesus, as he made his way around this circle, just became dirtier and dirtier from the filth that was on the disciples. He was the one cleaning them. And then upon sitting down, he takes his glory back to himself. He takes that outer garment, right? A picture of, of the high priest in the Old Testament going on the, the day of atonement to make atonement for the nation, bearing their iniquity before Yahweh. Right, Jesus, the same picture going on here he's taking he's taking his garment back onto himself, and those the sin the filth it's gone. it isn't being spoken of God doesn't bring it back up, so I say that right keep keep be confident and keep a short account with God because you can go to God for grace and mercy in time of need, and he'll give it to you 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 approach God in sincere repentance sincere repentance right not not hypocritical not. Not clinging to something and, and thinking it's somehow greater than Jesus, but sincerely coming to Christ, He's gonna give you the grace necessary. It's um Philippians two, we we talked about it earlier. Said Paul goes on, therefore says, You have obeyed me not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Paul's saying. It was important when I was present, but now now that I'm absent, it's even more important. Right? He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So make sure, I'm going to put it in the Oliver translation, make sure that you understand work, there is work that needs to be done to show the fruit of your salvation, right? Paul doesn't say work for your salvation. There is no working for your salvation. Salvation is in you when you believe in Christ work that salvation out and then he goes on to say for it is god who works in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure he gives you the desire and he also empowers you with the ability to do what pleases him right these are the things that this is our faith right this isn't religion this is relating properly to jesus christ humility and faith these things we walk out god gives us certain things we need to walk in them God gives us freedom we need to walk in it. We need to walk in freedom because we know that God has given it to us. So um, sitting down again, do you know what I've done for you? Right? What precedent? It's it's the question. It's uh, do you understand the object lesson, right? He goes on to say, you call me teacher and lord and you say, well for so I am, right? You recognize I'm above you and you're 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 under me, right? And if, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, right? I've taught you a lesson. This is, this is, I've humbled myself. Now, be self-sacrificial in the same manner. We hear it over and over again in scripture, especially in the book of Hebrews about Christ's divinity, right? And then humbling himself, right? He was, he's, he's supreme. To, to which angel did God ever say today, I've begotten you? right? And yet then Jesus makes himself lower than the angels. He makes himself like us and he serves alongside of us. He, the author of the book of Hebrews, he's, he makes that, that he draws that illustration of of the su- the supremeness of Jesus and then the humility of Jesus over and over again, that example. So do you understand this example I've taught? For I've given you an example 15, and of course I keep saying example, Jesus said example. Verse 15 says, for I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you, right? So is it, is it necessary that we wash like literally wash one another's feet? Um in this culture, that was given to the lowest servant in the house. You wash and actually I, I believe um that it was actually a job unsuitable for a Jewish servant. It had it have to be a foreign servant, a foreign slave, right? That would actually they would make um to wash Wash the the feet of people when they come in. Um, I'm, but I could be wrong on that. I'm, I thought I read that in a commentary, but I'm just going to say it was at least the job of the lowest servant. That's a point that we should make. We should we should recognize that job was given to the lowest servant, and that's why John makes the statement that he makes. So, in you know, there's. There's, we have examples all through the New Testament of what the apostles did, what they gave themselves to: the the breaking of bread, the teaching of the apostles' doctrine, um, prayer, and um, the word. Uh, prayer, fellowship, the word, the breaking of bread. Right. So we we have this Acts two forty two, the things that they gave themselves to, and there's there's actually no mention of washing one another's feet. Uh, there is a mention in one of the pastoral epistles, Paul's writing, he's saying there's a, a wife of a deacon who ought to give herself to the washing of the saint, the, the, the feet of the saints. And culturally, it's just, it's servanthood. Give, your, give yourself to a life of serving. And, and that's what we're called to. Jesus has set the precedent and he's asking us to follow the example. So when he says, most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he is, who is sent greater than the one who sent him. He's saying, look, if I do these things, am I greater than you? And yet you're unwilling, right? If if we stand in a place where we think so much of ourselves that we're unwilling to love and to serve and forgive those in the body, by default, we're saying we're greater than Jesus. That's what we're acknowledging with our body, with, with our actions, is that we, in fact, we we think of ourselves as being greater than our Lord. Our Lord saying, don't, don't behave this way, right? If you know these things, he says in verse 17, blessed are you if you do them. So blessed are you if you keep these words, if you, if you esteem Christ highly and then seek him for the grace to walk in the way that he's called you to, laying your own will down. And this again, this goes, this goes to me. This goes to husbands. It goes to wives, but on Mother's Day we can we can drill the husband's home, right. This goes to husbands. you know, lose your will, die to yourself every day, serve your wife, right? Be grateful for what they've gone through, especially if they're the mother of your children, right the the sacrifice that they've made to bring life into the world, having your own name, your last name, right and even surrendering that. Jesus is, is setting an example, and he's calling us to serve in the same way. There's, guys, we're never going to be able to serve like Jesus did, right? There's, we, there's no amount of humiliation we could ever put ourselves through that would compare to what Jesus did. But what Jesus is proving is there's no task too menial for a Christian. You can do anything and everything And it brings glory to Jesus. Right. And if we're living to glorify the King, we can't be robbed of our, of our joy. Jesus, Jesus came that, that we might know him. We'd know God, that our joy might be full, that we'd receive the water that he offers. And from us would flow torrents of living water that we just leak on everybody else. And, um, that is, that is the message of, uh, that is the message of Christ here in in the last supper and him humbling himself is certainly a, a picture of his larger ministry his ministry as a whole and doing it specifically to the 12 here even knowing that one was going to betray him can you can you guys imagine washing the feet of someone who's going to sell you for the price of a slave to be crucified we can serve our brothers and sisters in the lord we can serve our family we can die we can die daily amen let's pray father we thank you for your word we thank you for your son we thank you for him coming bringing the words of eternal life Lord we thank you for the ones that knew your voice Lord and by knowing your voice when hearing Jesus's voice they knew that he was from you we thank you that he is the continued revelation of your love to us father we pray that all day we would live in the place of pouring out on others Lord, there's nothing that we can't do that you haven't already done. And we thank you for that. For the glory of Jesus, we pray in his name. Amen.